Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. What are some things you can offer that are going to build engagement, deepen the relationship, and make them want to make you part of their regular habits of how they get things done? Today on episode 520 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with subscription and membership model expert, Robbie Kelman-Baxter. I'm going to ask Robbie how to transition a client from a crisis transaction into a forever transaction and much more. You can find out more about Robbie along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are there for them to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at YourSiteHub.com. That's YourSiteHub.com. Now let's welcome Robbie Kalman-Baxter. Robbie is the author of The Membership Economy, the groundbreaking book that changed everything. She first coined the phrase membership economy over 10 years ago, and it is now part of the business lexicon that's used by organizations and journalists around the world. The membership economy was recently named a top 10 marketing book of all time by Book Authority. Her clients have included Netflix, Microsoft, and the Wall Street Journal, as well as several venture-backed private companies and associations. Over the course of her career, Robbie has worked in or consulted to clients in more than 20 industries. Robbie, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on again. It's great to be here. So I was really thrilled that you appeared on Smashing the Plateau in 2017 in episode 347. And I'm really excited that you're coming back to talk about a topic that I think is so relevant in business today, which is the forever transaction. Why do you think the forever transaction is so important for businesses to understand? Focusing on building a long-term or forever relationship with one's customers is the best way to do all the things that we want to do as business leaders. It allows for recurring revenue. It helps with managing cash flow. It provides a direct connection with the customer to learn more about them and be able to optimize offerings in the future. It's the, you know, the holy grail for, for business people is to have recurring revenue. And that is, you know, at its heart, what a forever transaction is. Right. And now, is there a difference between a forever transaction and recurring revenues sometimes? Yeah, definitely. An, an example might be um, Apple or Mercedes or uh, any number, maybe Ritz-Carlton. These are, these are brands where people have such a strong affinity with that brand that they no longer are looking for alternatives. In their mind, there is only one choice. And that's really what a forever transaction is, where a consumer makes a decision once and stops looking for alternatives. Mm, okay, great definition. Yeah, I can certainly say that as someone who who runs a business, I've worked in other people's businesses, I consult with uh, lots of businesses of all sizes, although they typically are, are smallish businesses, often solopreneurs, consultants, coaches, and professional service businesses. 
developing the kind of relationship where your clients are no longer looking for alternatives is the holy grail for them too. It's the same thing, same as with big corporations. And um, as I said, I'm really excited to have you on talk about this. And I was really touched that you reached out and I got a chance to take a, a sneak peek at your new book, which is really pretty groundbreaking and, uh, and laid out in a way that is easy for people to follow and grasp the concepts. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> Yeah, very much, very much. Um, yeah, one of the things that I push my clients to do is to think about how they can, especially those that are mo- that are primarily focused on on transactional problems. Like, how do you think about the same client having an ongoing problem, and how can you be a resource to that same client over time? We we all know that it's easier to sell more to an existing client than to build a relationship with a new client. But so many people spend too much time trying to trying to find these elusive new leads when these existing relationships are right under their nose. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, what, what I advise organizations to do is to start by taking a step back, especially if you're an, if you're a going concern, you have clients or customers already and look at the underlying reason that they came to you in the first place. So um, if I buy a blouse, it's probably not, my end goal is not to own a blouse. My end goal is to look a certain way for a certain type of occasion or to convey a certain image. So if you, if you get in touch with that bigger goal, that timeless goal, and start to optimize your offerings around that, you have a better likelihood of that customer wanting to stick around. So in the example of a clothing store, instead of saying, we sell white shirts, uh, they might say, we'll make sure that you always look current and professional. And, you know, we will send you periodically, like, like Stitch Fix does, a box of clothes that we think are going to update and enliven your current wardrobe. So it's, it's just a different way of thinking about what your job is as, a, as an organization. If you're, if you're in professional services, uh, maybe someone calls you and says, hey, we want you to rebrand us, uh, give us a new brand. Once you, what they really want is they want to continue to connect with their customer and have some guidance on how to communicate, what their rules of thumb should be, how to make sure that they sound like the same organization regardless of the channel or the specific message. So you say, we're going to help you with that. We're going to do an audit every six months. We're going to update it for you. It's just about focusing on a forever promise that would justify that customer making a forever transaction. Right. So maybe maybe you could walk us through a few steps that a business like a professional service business could take to try to understand what the forever promise is. And then if they were going concerned, like you said, and they have existing clients, but they may not be maintaining a forever relationship with those clients, what they can do to start to transition more of their business into this forever transaction or forever relationship framework. Yeah. So, so for example, let's say that you're, you're a strategy consultant and you're focused on the automotive industry and your clients are big car companies uh, that come to you maybe once every three or four years when they have a big strategy project and they may or may not return. And you say, well, I do big strategy and it's a project and it's in depth and you don't need it that often. Well, maybe that's how 
your clients consume your value today because of how you've chosen to package your value. So if you say, well, actually, I can repackage it in some other ways. So, for example, I have expertise on trends in the automotive industry. Maybe I can create reports that go out quarterly. And that might be a way for my transactional clients who come every few years or disappear and forget about me into somebody that has an ongoing relationship with me. So you might have, in this case, like I said, reports. You might have uh monthly gatherings or phone calls with other like-minded people who are in non-competitive spaces. You might have an annual conference. Uh, You might provide them for a fixed price each year. Say, hey, you know, you can pick up the phone and call me anytime, uh, kind of access to my smarts for, for a fixed, you know, low price, which does a couple of things. One of them is it gives you an opportunity to be connected and and remembered by that client on an ongoing basis, even if your big projects are spaced uh, far apart. And it gives them a way to not have to wait so long before they invest with you because their forever objective, the goal that they have is to have good strategy and make smart strategic decisions. And we know that strategic decisions actually come up all the time, even if we only do a deep dive on them every every few years. So so that's one example. Right. I was going to say also for somebody like that, being seen as someone who is on top of, of the trends and can help a company stay ahead of the curve by being in constant touch with that consultant who is aware of, of the cutting edge trends, that can be a huge benefit to the client. And it also maintains the relationship with the consultant. Exactly. It's it ideally... David, it's good for both. It's great for the entrepreneur or the the professional services provider because they have a reason to stay in touch and maybe a smoother revenue stream. And it should be good for that client as well because it does a better job of solving their problem than the current transactional packaging. Right, right. Another one that comes to my mind as you're describing the situation is somebody who does leadership consulting and training. I know a lot of folks who fall into that space and often the way they package their products is they have workshops that are time limited that they'll give or they may do keynotes periodically. A company will invite a leadership consultant in or an expert to give a keynote, but probably only once every maybe couple of years. And the the consulting projects with these workshops, they may think about calling somebody like that in when they have a specific problem to solve. But the reality is there there are ongoing needs for somebody that has that sort of top-notch leadership expertise. Yeah, exactly. You know, ultimately it's it's a packaging problem. It's it's often a product problem that organizations have. They when they started out, they probably had a forever promise and a clear mission. We're going to help companies with strategy. We're going to help leaders be more effective. We're going to help high potential future leaders develop the skills they need to be as effective as possible in their organizations. And then They go to some products, they have some big soul searching, they come up with some great products that really solve the problem in the moment, and then they don't continue to evolve and grow with their their clients. And, And that's the missed opportunity. They become too focused on their products and not focused enough on that customer's mission. Right, right. Another profession where I see that they're often challenged in how to position themselves in this way is attorneys, especially 
attorneys that are very small businesses where they're used to solving problems that come up that seem to be a crisis where the lawyer is needed quickly and bills a bunch of hours and then they're done. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're absolutely right. Lawyers and and doctors and lots of other um, professionals right now price generally to fix things that are broken. Correct. Right. They they wait until you're having a horrible moment, and then they solve that problem. And what we want as consumers is we want to avoid the problem in the first place. I would pay what I pay my lawyers and more if they helped me avoid ever getting into a situation of having a legal crisis. Now, Robbie, is it a harder sell if the customer isn't thinking about problem avoidance? Yeah, in some cases it is. I think definitely uh, the two that we just talked about, medicine and the law, the strategy that I'd advise or the rollout that I would advise would be your trigger, the trigger that gets somebody to join you, to sign up with you for the first time is probably a broken problem, a pain point, a lawsuit required to have a certain kind of legal structure in order to launch my business. And at that point, that's often a good place to say, let's put this retainer in place. Let's put this ongoing relationship in place so that the next time it happens, you're ready. We stay in good shape and you can manage your costs better. So, so in other words, in any product that, that anyone creates, you want to think about which features are your trigger features that are going to trigger a new customer or client to join, and then which features or benefits are actually hooks, which make them want to stay. Yeah, that's a really important distinction. And I think for many of the kinds of businesses we're talking about, there are both kinds of triggers. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to, when you're, when you're building out your model, you want to make sure that you have both trigger features and hook features. So what's going to get them in the door in the first place? How are they going to find you? And what's going to give them the sense of urgency to sign up in the first place or to get to know you and walk in your door in the first place? And then what are some things you can offer that are going to build engagement, deepen the relationship and make them want to make you part of their regular habits of how they get things done. Right. So let's let's look at an example where there is a trigger that causes someone to come in in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like someone is threatened by a lawsuit. So they approach an attorney for help. Is there some place in that process where it's the ideal place to start to see the idea of an ongoing relationship that would help avoid that kind of problem in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a subject matter expert, as lawyers are, you would probably be looking at that situation and thinking, oh, you know, when you go home and tell your significant other at dinner about your day and you say, oh, if they had only done this and this, they never would have made themselves vulnerable to this kind of a lawsuit. Or, you know, you, you say those things, right? And you, you, you see the problem. And often the only ones who get the benefit of your wisdom are your close family and friends who know, you know, like people say, you know, you have a doctor in the family, right? And you go to them and they tell you what you should do and when you should go to the emergency room and when you shouldn't, you know, you think like, what would I do if this were a family member right in the middle of that lawsuit? And you'd probably start coming up with ideas for them. And that's the offering that you make to them. So, so even as you're talking to them, you say, you know what, 
we're going to get this solved, but for future, you would be much more protected if we did X, Y, and Z. And I actually have a program, an offering that you, you pay an annual fee and we take care of the following things. We are on the lookout to make sure that you are not vulnerable. So I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not probably getting this exactly right. But the concept is that when a person comes in in a critical moment, you can probably, as an expert, see ways that they could have mitigated this challenge by behaving preventatively earlier on. And those are the offerings that you want to put into a package uh, such that this would be the package that you would give to your loved ones. Right. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me. Now, Robbie, are there other elements that are really critical to someone in a small professional service business to understand as to how they might reposition their business or start to reposition their business so they're taking greater advantage of forever transactions? I think one that's really important is knowing who your best customers are and knowing who would make best members of your organization. And the simplest way of thinking about it is looking at your, at your existing customers and saying, you know, who uses our services now regularly and well and gets the most value and is most willing to pay? And the, the obvious metric that will help you identify those people is probably the lifetime value that you've generated from them. So in other words, people that have paid you the most over the longest period of time are likely to be the kind of customers you want to make more of. But also there might be other attributes. When you start to look at that list, you say, well, yeah, these are my 20, 50, 100 bat, you know, most high paying customers, but these three were really difficult and really edge cases and not representative of what I do well or what I want to do. And, and these ones, you know, I don't do that anymore. But these 40, these guys all were great customers. I served them so well. They pay me well. They're really grateful. They feel like they're getting tons of value for what they're paying. And I bet there's a lot more people like that. And then you start to get really specific about what are the attributes of that group? Maybe, you know, who are they? What are their demographics? So, you know, how old are they? Where do they live? What is their income? Things like that. What are their psychographics? So what are they thinking about? What are they feeling? How do they approach problems? And then you want to look at their behavior. What did they actually do with you? And how did those touch points fit into their bigger, their bigger journey? So in other words, in the, in the case of the lawyer, the bigger journey is I was starting this business and growing it. And I had this problem and that, you know, I incorporated and then I had this problem and then I needed a new contract for that situation. And you can kind of look at that and say, how would I create an offering that was perfect for this kind of person? So to answer your question, the other step that I think people should do is to really understand who their best customers are and then to optimize any kind of membership or recurring offering around those people. And at the same time, to be willing to do a little pruning and know that maybe some of your longtime customers that aren't best customers might be disappointed, be angry, or leave. Which in the end is really okay. I mean, I've, I've had this conversation with clients. Yeah, I'm sure. Where we, we've sort of mapped out who the ideal client is based on many of the metrics you just described. And when they actually look at the metrics, they realize that there are some current clients that don't fit all that well. 
And even if they don't end up having a conversation with those clients, it's funny how once once they look at the metrics, over time, those clients start to disappear and better clients end up coming into the mix. Yeah, it's like you have you have a focus on, on what you're looking for and you you optimize your offering to attract those people. It's better for everybody. Sometimes the transition is a little hard. And like you said, you may or may not communicate it. And people may or may not be angry. It depends on how gradual it is and um, and how big the change is. You know, I, I always joke that, you know, if I walk into the neighborhood McDonald's in a fancy dress and my husband's in a suit and we come in and we say, give us your best table and your finest champagne, it's our anniversary, they will not feel bad about the fact that they can't really delight us, right? They'll say something like, go down the street to the other fancy restaurant or hey, we don't do that here. You're going to have to find something else. And they don't feel bad because they're so clear on what they do. And when the wrong customer comes in or even the right customer for the wrong occasion, like you said, they know what they're looking for and what they do well. And they're not embarrassed or uncomfortable to say that they can't fulfill everybody's requests. Absolutely. Um, So Robbie, before we wrap up, do you want to tell us a little bit about your new book? Sure. uh, I'd be delighted. Um, So five years ago, I wrote The Membership Economy because most organizations and entrepreneurs didn't understand, in my opinion, how they could apply principles like subscription pricing, membership models, uh, the use of um, free in their business models, use of community to build a forever transaction with their customers. So this was that was really to convince people. Five years later, most people know that that recurring revenue and building a forever transaction is what they want to do, but they don't know how. So the forever transaction is designed to help businesses wherever they are, whether they're just starting out, whether they're trying to scale something that's been working in a small way, in a much bigger way, or whether they're trying to maintain a leadership role that they've already achieved by staying relevant to their existing members. I've tried to create sections for each group of people, wherever they are in the maturity model, to give them practical, actionable uh, tactics to build and optimize a forever transaction. Yeah, and I, ha- and I have to repeat what I said at the beginning of our conversation, that having had a sneak peek at the book, it is written in a very actionable format, so it's really easy to digest. Yeah, that, that makes me happy. It makes me so happy <laughs> to, to hear it. <laughs> no, congratulations. You've done a great job. I'm sure I, I know what kind of work it takes to, to create something like this new book. So um, kudos to you for, for doing it, and, uh, and I'm glad to be able to talk to you about it. Robbie, if somebody wants to go, wants to go deeper with anything that you've said or get a copy of the book or access you or anything we've talked about, where would they go? Uh, The book is available for sale uh, anywhere books are sold. Uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can go to Indie Books to find your local bookstore. To find me, I'm pretty easy to find. uh, RobbieKelmanBaxter.com. Robbie Bax on Twitter. Robbie Baxter on LinkedIn. I'm all over the place and I would love to connect. And uh, if your listeners have specific questions they want to send to you, um, I'd be delighted to uh, to respond and uh, and share that with you. Robbie, do you have a free gift for our audience? 
I do. Um, I want to offer chapter eight from the forthcoming book, which is all about culture, organization, and how to scale the right kind of environment for a membership-based business. Uh, a great gift. So go out and get it. Thanks. Robbie, thank you again for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest today has been subscription and membership model expert, Robbie Kelman-Baxter. Thank you again, Robbie, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to transition a client from a crisis transaction into a forever transaction and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.